welcome to another episode of the Negative Positives Podcast. And now, I'm your host, Mike Williams. Now I'm just goofing with you. I'm drinking cheap-ass beer with the real host, Mike Gutterman. Hey, Gutterman, you're on. All right, folks, we're going to get right to everyone's favorite co-captains, starting all the way out in Los Angeles, California, La La Land, the City of Angels, Mr. Andre Dominguez. How you doing tonight, Andre? Uh, Andre? All right, uh, we're going to keep moving to uh, Pennsylvania or uh, uh, Iceland. No, uh, uh, Virginia. None other than Jess Jones, who is Yesy, uh, Yesy Ones on Instagram or whatever. And finally, making her third or fourth triumphant return, like a bad penny, all the way from, uh, uh, let's see, uh, all the way from Albuquerque, California, this is Roxana Angles. All right, folks, uh, this first segment's already already run a little long, so uh, we're going we're gonna to take us a little break so I can water my thorny bush. We will be right back, folks. Hello, and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode 386. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from a, a hot and sultry, swampy <laughs> uh, Gutterman cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. And this is a Monday show, so we have, have a guest uh, and only have uh, one co-captain here with us tonight. It's uh, it was kind of back to the gruesome twosome as far as the negative positives gang, but that's, that's fine. We're 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 getting through it. Uh, Miss, Miss uh, Jessica Jones had some uh, family things. It is Memorial Day, so got to give her a chance to visit some family. And uh, so, and oh, by the way, happy Memorial Day to all those out there that celebrate that. Um, and I, I always keep meaning to look this up. Is it just the USA that celebrates Memorial Day? Is that just an American holiday? I'm not sure. Andre, sure other countries have other, you know, versions of it, but I assume that U.S. Memorial Day is focusing on U.S. soldiers. Yeah, that's what I think. So, you know, uh, yeah, so uh, happy Memorial Day to everyone and to all those that have served and uh, particularly any families who may have, uh, you know, lost uh, uh, a loved one to uh, service of this country. So uh, that's what the idea of Memorial Day is. And uh uh, so hopefully everyone had a good uh, extended weekend here in the U.S. of A. But speaking of co-captains, who you just heard, uh, the, the 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 cat's out of the bag. Guess you know which co-captain we have tonight. It's uh, none other than Mr. Andre Dominguez, La La Land, City of Angels, Los Angeles, California. Andre, how you doing tonight? Howdy, howdy, doing all right, Mike. Awesome, awesome. And uh, it's kind of kind of odd. I, I didn't think about this, but uh, on Memorial Day, you think we'd add us a, a true red-blooded American on here, but uh, we uh, we decided, you know, we're gonna uh, just uh, go on up to the Great White North, up to Canucia, Canada, and uh, we are having uh, Mr. Jonathan Ben Simon, who is uh, currently in Montreal, but hails from Toronto, Canada, Canucia. How you doing tonight, Jonathan? Great. Yeah, those are all the uh, right technical terms for uh, for the part of Canvas. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> right. And uh, and actually, uh, Jonathan would, was telling me uh, uh, that actually, I guess the French uh, pronunciation, which I have to say because I, I, everyone knows that I'm, I'm just I'm just fantastic at uh, at foreign languages, and uh, so uh, it would be more of a uh, a Jonathan Ben Simone, right? Nice. Uh, I feel like I nailed it, but uh, uh, (laughs) all right, Jonathan. Well, um, 
you uh, uh, first time on the show, so uh, we have to do the usual thing, the generic question that every podcast asks. You know, like how how did you get into this madness, man? How did you get into the photography, particularly film photography, and and also you know you do some you you dabble, you do other things uh, besides uh, shooting still photographs that we certainly want to talk about here too as well. So tell us tell us a little bit how you got into all this crap. Well, um, I guess it'd be uh, through high school trauma. <laughs> it was uh, it was basically um, in high school. I was convinced that you know I wanted to be uh, uh, a film uh, filmmaker, and uh, and I, I attempted to make a film with uh, with my friend. Unfortunately, we didn't have uh, the Hollywood production value that uh, <laughs> that you know we were imagining. And we presented this video in front of the entire school, and we got laughed at like you wouldn't believe. Oh, no. It was just (laughs) such crappy video quality and trying so hard. And I'm guessing guessing this wasn't a comedy either, right? (laughs) Oh, the furthest thing from it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and, uh, this, this... this epic drama, which uh, which ended up being a failure, I kind of like vowed to myself, I'm going to create professional looking images. And obviously I couldn't uh, afford a, an actual motion picture camera and the uh, the video cameras back in those days weren't weren't that great. So uh-huh. I'm like I can do black and white photography that looks like professional black and white photography. And all I need <laughs> is a dark room and Luckily, my dad worked at a television station. One day I was in there and I was kind of like fiddling around with the video cameras and uh, this big imposing man comes in and he he was Romanian and he's like, what are you doing? And uh, I'm like, I'm just playing with the cameras. And he kind of like, you know, took a liking to my interest and in like all this stuff. And he asked my dad, you know, do I want to learn photography? Because he was taught in like the kind of Eastern block of of these great photography and cinematography schools. Mm. And uh, I kind of like went down there and it started with the zone system and, you know, the exposure triangle. And uh, suddenly I was creating these images that looked like a uh, like like you'd see in a magazine. And uh, it was a way for me to, to, you know, um, break the ice with girls. Finally, I had, I had, I had a, a, a way in. And so <laughs> I was like, this is fantastic. This is, this is amazing. And, uh, and uh, I just saved up all summer for like my own dark room working like, uh, you know, day in and day out and just kind of got that in larger. And then, um, it'd be shoot all day and then, you know, print, you know, until three in the morning. And uh, and that's how it all started. That's awesome. I feel like uh, I feel like there's so many things that uh, that that young men, young boys, I guess, do to uh, to try to be creative uh, with the sole purpose of hoping they uh, making themselves more popular with the, with the ladies. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like most, uh, most, uh, I feel like most passions seem to stem from that a little bit. Am I, am I, am I right? I'm sure you can say the same about comedians, about athletes, about actors. <laughs> right, right. I think we all just have one mission. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, when I got my first guitar, it was like, yeah, I love music. Yeah. I wanted to play guitar. Yes. I wanted to, you know, be in bands, but, 
let's face it, it was it was about the ladies. I mean, really, when you get right down to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so, so yeah. you go go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I was just uh, saying that I was just like enamored by like the the fashion photographers of the era, and then it was just kind of like create shooting these images, and then like having this like opportunity to create something. And suddenly thinking that I was going to be, you know, the next uh, Peter Lindbergh or <laughs> you know Annie Leibovitz or whatever, and then you kind of uh, find out that you've still got a long way to go. What so? What year was this uh, that you're talking? Not to age you. I'll put an age, but what what era was this in high school when you when you shot this? Uh, I, I I'm going to say it's probably an underappreciated gem. I mean, people just it was probably ahead of its time. This uh, this this movie you put on it was probably just you know it's just you know ahead of its time, right? I, I, people just did, couldn't appreciate it. I'm guessing. What, is that well, what it was? see, it, <laughs> what happened was digital editing existed. It was like the the 1999 1998. Okay. And you could edit digitally, but it was you had to transfer all your videos. But the school had tape to tape editing, which was already archaic. Oh but yeah, you just still had these these technologies that were kind of like starting, and they weren't quite up to speed. So your quality was always kind of ridiculous. And film was you know well over a hundred years old, and you had this kind of great technology that you could learn and kind of you know master. Or, you know, try to master a lot easier. In the early 90s, a, a buddy, a college friend of mine and myself, we we put on a cable access show. It was a, a <laughs> like a skit, a skit comedy show. Right. And uh, uh, I still have those on a hard drive somewhere. But we were recorded with my dad's eight millimeter, not film, eight millimeter, uh, you know, camcorder, uh, yeah. eight millimeter tapes. And uh, and then we would have to we would I worked at a TV station at the time. And so we'd have to use the TV station's editing bay, which was two like uh, three quarter inch tape machines, like big old uh, cassette, uh, big, huge videotape uh, machines. So we'd have to dump from eight millimeter to three quarter inch tape, edit it. And then the cable access wanted us to turn it in on VHS. So it went from eight millimeter to three quarter inch tape back to VHS. So by the time uh, we got down to that many generations, uh, let's just say that cable access show, not not the not the epitome of uh, of, uh, of, of, of high tech uh, or high resolution for sure. So, Mike, but, yeah. why are you struggling with your YouTube channel? I think you have all the content you need. <laughs> Right, yeah. it gives me all this shit for it. It's like you have all the experience. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. Well, I, I don't think I have access to those three quarter inch tape machines anymore. I, I got pretty good at editing on those things, so I did a lot of uh, ten years at a TV station. So, uh, uh, but very interesting that you, uh, you know, you you're fooling around with a video camera at a TV station and run into a guy that wants to teach you photography. It seems uh, seems almost. Uh, uh what is it serendipitous is that the right word yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) 20 points for mike (laughs) yeah yeah no it was it was amazing and it's just like it just became a passion like that's i would just consume you know Mm -hmm. but like shutterbug or there was a french photo an american photo and there was you know um popular photography and just kind of you know cover to cover every month it was Uh, yeah yeah and whatever with the whatever the internet had to offer back then <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i just remember the internet back then it would uh watching photos of claudia schiffer lo- load up line by line you know just uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, <Mike. laughs> uh but uh the uh 
um, around that time, I think it was, gosh, it was probably late nineties. I started getting into, into photography again, seriously, or maybe into the early two thousands is when I got kind of really seriously into it. And, uh, the, the, uh, camera store in town here, uh, kind of the famous uh, camera store in Louisville, Chuck Rubin's, uh, photographics. Uh, he had next to his, uh, uh, the door entering in the entrance of the place had this huge box full of, uh, shutter, uh, magazines from all the way back into the eighties, like hundreds and hundreds of them. And so I would go there like once a week just to pick up a couple more magazines and 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 plus plus look at all the cameras and stuff he had and all that. But so I made it a point every Friday to go there and pick up a couple more magazines. And finally one day he was like, you know, you're the only one taking those magazines. Why don't you just take the whole damn box? And I, I was like, okay. <laughs> so I literally read like hundreds of Shutterbug magazines from you know from front to front to back. I think that's really how I, I honestly it's how that was my it was sort of my education, you know, and uh uh they had a lot of good information in those things, man. It was a uh, uh it was quite the quite the find to just get all those old shutterbugs. But uh uh yeah, very cool. Yeah, uh, those, and then there's a I when I graduated to American cinematographer, that was that was a whole new discovery. That magazine is just you know, the epitome of, of cinematography, but, you know, a- anything that has to do with emulsion and especially back then all the, the motion picture stocks that were kind of like coming out in that period were, oh, were yeah. really amazing. Cause I know that that was a time when Kodak was really uh, like, even in their still films, a lot, there was a lot of improvements happening to, especially a lot of their color stocks, but I guess, and that was born out of, improvements made they made to the cinema stock you know so there was that was kind of a big boom for a lot of uh, uh developments and and in, in their color film uh like cinema stocks i'm thinking which went on into the still uh uh the still products as well if i remember correctly yeah i mean it's it's kind of crazy like i think at that time you would go to uh kodak in toronto and it was you'd go up photography lane i think it was called mm. and uh and uh and you could uh, see how uh how invested they were into teaching everybody it was it was really amazing oh, that's I was cool. like, yeah i was i was always it was always uh, amazing to go down there Put so, on a hazmat suit and <laughs> walk through the place. <laughs> nice, nice. So this is we're we're basically in the late '90s at this point, and you uh, um, you're getting into some black and white photography and and all all the all the, all the good stuff. And then, uh, but at some point, you decide you you know you wanted to uh, re- basically redeem yourself from the high school embarrassment of the of the film that you made. But uh, <laughs> so, but at that time. Uh, I'm guessing, you know, like, is that when you started getting into some cinematography or, or whatever it is? It, was it around that time or was that later? Well, it was always kind of like in the back of my mind. I kind of figured, you know, it, once I can figure out how to take one book good picture, I just have to figure out how to take 24 good pictures in one second. And, right. uh, and uh, so it, the school program I went to, um was a program where in the first year you were either in the photography program the new media program or um uh the uh the motion picture program and the first year you would do all three and so 
I knew I could apply to photography and it, I'd have an easier time getting in than having to write scripts, which uh, definitely wasn't my forte being dyslexic. So uh, um, I kind of like applied for photography and then kind of transferred into film and uh, and really dove into that for a while and then was like just focused on on cinematography. Uh, um, and uh, and then it took uh, I was still had photography in the back of my mind and the whole time I actually worked at a uh, at a camera store um, in Toronto um, and worked in the kind of like used department there. So I got to play with all the kind of like cool stills camera, you know, all the Pentax 6.7s or the MIRTs nice. or, you know, the, the Hasselblads and stuff. I was always kind of like a big medium format fan. So, uh -huh. so. You know, I, I they hired me one year because they had bought out the stock of an old uh, photography store um, and they needed somebody to literally dust every lens that they had. And this is like <laughs> lens <laughs> so I back, just dusting lenses for a month. And then they're like, OK, we'll put you on the floor. <laughs> wow. I think you've earned your stripes at that point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, so uh at that time uh i mean it, and it's like you know movie film has never been cheap like uh it i remember when i was a kid uh my uncle got a super 8 camera and me and my cousin thought oh this is this is this is uh this is awesome we could we could borrow it and we could do like some uh some uh like some stop action uh thing with our star wars action figures and make a movie you know like frame by frame you know move move them a little bit just a little little stop action film with them and we asked abroad and like my uncle was like uh do you kids know how much how expensive this film is like no we're not doing that <laughs> like, that was it that was in the, that was in the early 80s you know so it's like but when you uh when you first got in like into like doing some uh, actually movie type stuff or you know actual moving picture type stuff like I mean, it, it was it was it all like super eight or like what was how do you start in that? Because it, that's not a that's not an inexpensive proposition. It, it never has been. Yeah, basically, they starred you on on black and white uh, 16 millimeter with okay. like a, a Bolex or even back then they had a Bell and Howell crank camera from the second world war that was like the first ones you could use you couldn't even do stop motion with that one but then in the second year we graduated to the bolex which was you know the kind of classic 16 millimeter camera and wow. it's funny that you say stop motion and and being inexpensive because you could make a stop motion film for a lot less money because you're only taking one frame at a time so right I decided to use this uh, this technique called uh, pixelation because they showed us this film from the National Film Board board called uh, Neighbors, where it's just basically these two neighbors uh, in stop motion, these actual live actors who are acting one frame at the time, and you kind of get them to move. It's called pixelation, and uh, I decided to kind of do that for kind of like my second year film. And basically, you know, have an actor walk through, take one still, advance, and take another one. And uh, we want to shoot at night. And obviously, uh, it's you know, with it, I think that was like it was double X. So even at 200, you know, ISO, you can't really get much of an exposure. But luckily, uh, in Toronto at that time, um, there were a lot of productions, like big Hollywood productions, shooting in Toronto. So what we decide to do is, 
grab the camera, the tripod, the actors, get in a minivan and drive around town looking for big Hollywood productions that had set up their lights and we <laughs> just feed off them. <laughs> so finally drive, lo and behold, we find this massive 18K, you know, just a, a massive light. And we kind of like get our actor out and we're like, okay, don't worry. If anything happens, we'll take care of it. Just kind of like keep going and, and you know, we'll deal with what, whatever the consequences are. And we start shooting and no one comes up to us. And we're like, this is like incredible. And suddenly <laughs> we hear a couple of walkie talkies go off and oh. uh, it's like, yeah, do you see that? Yeah, yeah, I'll take care of that. And somebody comes up to us and goes, guys, you're right in the middle of our shot. <laughs> and the whole crew was behind this like bush, you know, shooting this shot. <laughs> and we're just in the middle of it. And uh, basically, we just grabbed our gear, went to another light they set up and <laughs> kept shooting. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, that, that, you know, I feel like that that, that proves the uh, the stereotype that uh, of how, how nice Canadians are. I feel like uh, in America, the, the consequences would have been a little, little rougher, probably. <laughs> Imagine somebody coming over. Hey, guys, I'm so sorry, but you're in the middle of our shot. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is when we moved to that second light, there was a cop. And the cop came up to us and uh, and he's like, uh, you guys students? And we're like, yeah, it's like, you guys should be safer. And he grabs cones from the production and puts them around us so we can kind of keep shooting, <laughs> not get hit by oncoming traffic. Oh, man. So really uh, feeding into the stereotype. Right, right, right. Uh, I, I love it that that, that that stereotype exists, but like, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, strangely, as a Kentuckian, I'm a big hockey fan and I've been really watching these uh, NHL playoffs here this year and, uh, and hockey, pretty rough sport. And that's a Canadian uh, origination, right? So, like, uh, you know, that's a, that's. Yeah. A, I guess I guess they save uh, all their anger for the for the ice. I think that, is a... it all gets it all gets bottled up and then it comes out on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Throw down the gloves and it's game over. <laughs> right. It's the only like major sport where fighting is actually allowed. You know, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and duke it out. You know, that's fine. You know, we'll run with it. But uh, <laughs> I love it. But all right. So at this point, we are. Uh, you're into into doing some film school stuff and all that, and uh, but this would be like I mean, obviously you know the digital thing starts happening with photography and 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 then not too long after that with with uh, with movie productions and and you know of course the cameras get better and uh, the movie cameras a lot of them go a lot of the productions go digital and everything. How, how did that uh, transition go with you? Did you? Uh, I'm sure you had to embrace uh, digital at least particularly in uh, uh, cinematography, but like did you do it in in still photography as well? Well, that, that's the thing. It was um, it, while I was in film school, digital was kind of like starting to take over. But, you know, it still didn't look right. You know, they had fancy right. HD cameras that the ones that Lucas used on on his kind of Star Wars movies, but they never looked right. You know, you mm. still want to shoot on film. And uh, meanwhile, when I was working at the camera store, I was like, oh, man, these uh, there's not as ma many uh 35 mil cameras we're not pushing as many k1000s anymore you know there's uh -huh. uh, there's a lot less going on and just like that transition happened um slowly because it was like suddenly panasonic came out with a camera that was doing 24p and that was really good but compared to 16 millimeter it was still kind of lame so uh -huh. it took time and so um i definitely graduated to um 
digital and stills photography a lot earlier i was like oh my god this is great i won't have to scan my negatives anymore and you know <laughs> it's gonna be uh, so easy to organize and i just like completely lost the passion at that point it was uh. just like i had these kind of like these really nice digital cameras and they just collected dust and you know i'd have hard drives that i'd lose with all the pictures meanwhile you know all my negatives were properly organized and, and stored so uh so i came back to it uh um a little later but uh -huh. uh, yeah it, it's funny like shooting um stills photography and shooting on film is a different experience than shooting motion picture um film it's just kind of like it's uh, with film you're you're always kind of um uh walking that thin line of like you know trying to make stuff darker and how dark can you know so you really had to know your film stocks um mm. it feels like with photography you always have kind of like a bit more latitude um mm. yeah it was it was tricky but yeah it was it was it was uh, a really crazy period Right, right, and so I, I have to wonder this. Like, uh, I, I always, I always kind of wonder this because you know, like some of the the huge, the the big, the big time, the big guy directors in in Hollywood. You know, they 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 uh, they they had profess a, a love for shooting on movies on film, on actual film, and 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 actually, you know. Uh, uh, got you know uh, made a deal with Kodak you know uh, uh, agreement with them to continue making motion picture film. A lot of the heavyweights were were behind that and stuff. But is there is there something in film school people? Because <laughs> I, I can't say I've hung out with a lot of film school guys. But like, is there is there a, a sort of snobbery that uh, exists? Like uh, like you know, we we, we want to shoot on real film. Like we're not going to do that. Did, like, they, did, was there was that attitude ever there or or has that oh, attitude yeah. went away? Yeah. Oh yeah, that 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 attitude never went away. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, because if you shoot film, it means like you're you know what you're doing. So. Right, right. <laughs> you're def you're definitely invested in it for sure. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It definitely uh, inflates the ego when you're you're shooting on film. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was lucky enough, you know, that Kodak um, sponsored me to go to Budapest to to go to film school there. Um, that was taught by Vilmos Sigmund and Laszlo Kovacs. So the guys who shot, you know, Close Encounters of a Third Kind and oh, wow. Deer Hunter and Easy Rider. These guys were our teachers. And wow. uh, yeah, we were in studio in Budapest and, and you really learned the craft because it was all Kodak and Panavision and you had to um, really bring your A-game because they only accepted 15 students from around the world to kind of participate in this class. And wow, you got there and you really got put in your place really quick because <laughs> you have the film school students from like, you know, uh, Poland or Mexico and you kind of like see the work that they do and you're like, oh my God, I thought, you know, I was, you know, the top of the heap in my little class in Canada and all of a sudden I'm kind of like surrounded by these really impressive uh students who've like gone on to do amazing things but yeah it's it's that was that that was definitely the hot spot of all the film snobs you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> in Budapest nice uh all right so just to kind of uh, get uh, just to kind of where you're at now like what what what, what wh where did you go after that like what it, I guess you've obviously made the return to like shooting film for your still photography I've heard that story many times and it's not unlike mine that 
when I went to like just shooting digital uh, photography for several, about five, six years, I, I, I also lost my passion for photography and, and film is what brought me back. But uh, it sounds like you kind of had, when, when about is that and how does that, how does that get us to the present day? And, and, and what are you, what are you doing now as far as your photography and, and your cinematography? Where, where are you at with that? Well, it's kind of crazy because it, it's like it, Budapest comes back into the picture because what happened was um, I want I actually wanted to um, start working in the film business and I got jobs as a camera operator on on documentaries and they would hire me because I was the young guy and I knew how to work these new HD cameras. Mm. But all I wanted to do was you know work with 35 and in Canada most of the 35 mil kind of film work was being done um on in commercials so oh. i started uh, i started as a cinematographer in commercials and then became a director cinematographer and that was really uh exciting and then the transition to digital happened in that in that world and um it was it was really cool because suddenly these cameras which were kind of lame until this point were just really impressive and guys like Roger Deakins, who's like, you know, the guy who shot all the Coen Brothers films or most of the Coen Brothers films and, oh. and you know, um, 1917 and stuff like that was using these digital cameras. And it's just like, oh, wow. OK, this transition is really happening. And so I kind of like embraced it. And uh, I was shooting a beer commercial in Budapest. And uh, one of my friends from Budapest um you know, was was just finishing his movie that he shot on 35. And uh, he would actually go on to win best foreign film that year with it. But mm. uh, he was like asking me, you know, do you miss shooting, you know, movies or videos on or films on film? And uh, and I was like, you know, for for motion picture, like not that much, but I miss my Roloflex and kind of shooting stills on film. Uh -huh. And uh, that's the day I kind of like decided I was going to uh, pull it out and kind of, not it, so I, I, bad joke there. <laughs> I was gonna, you beat me to it. I was, it was low hanging fruit. I was gonna jump on it, but uh, well, no, I, I was not gonna jump on it. That's gonna bad too, but. <laughs> oh boy, we're, we're in a deep dark circle now. Um, all right, so yeah, so I kind of like took out my role of flex. Wow, you can't say any of these words now. <laughs> not, <as soon. laughs> um, not on negative positives. <laughs> started shooting with my role of flex. <laughs> and I basically decided I'd shoot a role a week of slide film and the idea was after a year i would show everything like every single role that I'd shot like create one massive contact sheet of every role that was kind of like backlit and uh i got to a year into the project and i was like wow i'm i'm just barely getting the hang of this right now so i decided to do it for another year and uh, I basically kind of created this light or this light box that was basically the width of a hundred and four rolls of 120 film. And you kind oh, of wow. see all my mistakes, all kind of like I wouldn't take the same picture twice. I'd kind of, you know, be very meticulous about it. And um, it was kind of this project that was so annoying to the producers I worked with because we'd be on a location scout in like South Africa or something. I'd be like, stop the van. And I'd kind of like <laughs> go out and shoot a picture for this kind of like project. 
Um, but the goal was to kind of like actually make a few prints and do it all photochemically. And uh, I found this amazing guy in Burbank who still made Cibachrome prints. And uh, I kind of like picked 10 pictures that I thought were actually decent. And, and I'd kind of like go and every kind of week we'd kind of spend time kind of making this print. And um, have you ever worked with Cibachrome? Either of you guys? I have not. No, nope. I haven't. Oh, never had the I've seen some Cibachrome uh, prints, but I've never had any of my stuff printed that way. It's 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 just an amazing. Like when you see kind of like the silver and the kind of reflection that it has, and the quality of the image was just unbelievable. So I was really excited to get to this point. And this guy's like a real master um, of Cibachrome printing, and so it was it, that was half the fun is getting to the end result of like these ten prints along with these 104 rolls of film as like wow. a, a display. And that's actually where I met Andre when I had the exhibit for, for the show uh, in, uh, in LA back in. Uh, yeah. Andre was telling me about that when he, when he, uh, when uh, they going to meet you or whatever uh, at that particular show or whatever, and uh, it sounded unbelievable. And uh, so basically at this, at this gallery show, you had this gigantic light box for people to see, like, all your mistakes, every shot that you took during this project, right? <laughs> right? Way, way to be positive about it, Mike. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, he, he admitted there was mistakes in there. I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing him under the uh, bus. <laughs> it, it, it took me a, a year to realize that there was a shutter, shutter lock button on the Roloflex. <laughs> like, the amount of black <laughs> frames I have from just kind of, like exposing a, a shot while it's in my back the camera's in my backpack was kind of like ridiculous <laughs> nice so and going back to Seaver chromes uh, is this the process where they make prints off slides is that am i right in that uh, yeah I, yeah okay okay and it, basically like it's a basically a negative paper so basically you're, okay. you're in, everything's reverse dodging mm -hmm. is burning burning is dodging it's kind of crazy Wow. Wow. Hmm. Very cool. I'd like to see one of those in person. I bet it's, I bet it is. A, uh, does it have like uh, sort of, I, you know, everyone talks about, oh, you know, the, the, uh, a slide, just looking at a slide through a light box, just the way it pops uh, that, that, well, that stained glass window look it has, you know, and uh, does the print uh, translate any of that? A Cibachrome print, does it, does it, does it have that same sort of pop sort of? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I remember showing a friend for the first time who's like a, a big photography enthusiast, and he was kind of like, it's like looking at real life. <laughs> was... <laughs> nice. Yeah, I definitely think like it's it's the closest um, in terms of like a printed medium that you can get to that type of, of backlit look. I mean, obviously, nothing's going to be exactly the same per se. Um, especially, I mean, I, I want to give Jonathan props to this idea of, you know, exhibiting all, how many, how many rolls of film was it in total? 104. 104, wow. uh, rolls of 120 film. So they're to, to paint a picture and, and maybe when we, um, when we get around to it, we can include some pictures in the, in the Facebook group. But if you think about it, right, imagine this, uh, this long, long, um, it was, it was what, Jonathan, it was kind of like a, a railing with like frosted glass, um, yeah. where you've got these rolls of 120 film hanging vertically that are all kind of, you know, taped on or attached on somehow. 
and then lights behind it illuminating it and it was like the coolest thing that i had ever seen and, and you folks know that i'm a sucker for slide film in general and forms of presentation that actually emphasize the unique qualities of slide film because once you scan it like you can still sometimes tell that it's slide film the limited dynamic range which forces you to make you know decisions about okay am i going to choose to preserve highlight detail or shadow detail and use that to my advantage but there's nothing like actually seeing it backlit and and having the sheer number not to mention the fact that the actual photographs were cool mistakes and all um but the sheer number of them all you know lined up adjacent to each other was quite possibly one of the coolest presentation methods uh you know photography wise that i've ever seen yeah thanks man yeah it was kind of cool to have like little loops out there for people to kind of go in and kind of like take a look just the way you would at a contact sheet and kind of like you know point out like why did you blow that one up i love this picture and just kind of having all these conversations about all the images and kind of like seeing what the process was and kind of like you know trying to kind of do something and where i kind of like got it and where i kind of missed and it was just kind of like wild to to kind of learn over over two years it was kind of like starting all over again because you know everything's going to be shown so wow bring your your a game but uh sometimes uh sometimes c shows up sometimes c minus occasionally get d <laughs> well i was a strong c minus student in high school so I, I'd, I'd be fine with that so uh but uh <laughs> so, uh, uh, so the, uh, did you find that when people came to this gallery show that they actually interacted because you know you with, with loops and stuff like that that's 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 definitely asking the viewer to interact more with the photography i think so it's kind of interesting interesting uh kind of uh process going on there that a lot of people really take the time to to do that and interact with it like that in that sort of way yeah i mean they kind of like also you have some people just don't understand what slide film is so you have to start you know really at the beginning of what slide film is, and then they kind of understand it and they kind of see this tapestry which mm -hmm. actually kind of looks like an instagram feed because it's just a bunch of squares that you're mm -hmm. kind of like physically navigating through so it's kind of people kind of making connections in their mind as to like what they know in the real world that's kind of like that and kind of, you know, um, seeing how it connects with, with you know, images that they're used to seeing and, and these images that are kind of like different and why they're different, they want to chat about it. So it was really cool to have all that engagement and, and people wanting to, to you know, um, tell you what they, they, they dig about it and, and, and why. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, wow, very cool. And you had prints blown up of some select shots in the Seabird Chrome at the same show, right? Yeah, they were like three by three feet where it was kind of like ultimately what I was trying to do was like shoot images where I could find a, a dichotomy in the image, like a contrast, like some two elements that kind of fight each other. Um, and a lot of time, you know, it's I would kind of see a pretty picture, but I, I didn't really want to take that pretty picture. I wanted to kind of like see something cool. And I was um in LA uh at one point and I was um uh at the uh observatory and uh it's kind of like one of the most spectacular kind of spots in LA 
And the picture I ended up taking is a popsicle that had melted on the ground on the stairs. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was one of my one of my favorites. Very cool. All right. Well, I think we we got a little background on Jonathan here, and uh, we have some. We actually got some some decent uh, Facebook questions. I actually was late on posting uh, the, uh, uh, the to ask questions from the Negative Positives Facebook group to Jonathan, and uh, but people came through. Uh, and so even though I only gave him a couple of days to come up with some good questions, they they always bail us out, Andre, and I, I appreciate that. But uh, so <laughs> I think we should uh, take a break. And uh, unless Andre, you want to follow up with anything before we do that? Nope. I think there's a good time to take a break. All right, we'll take us a little break and come back with some Facebook questions to Jonathan. We're gonna dive a little deeper into into this. Uh, well, I think we got a. I think I think I think we can say we, we got a, we got a professional on here tonight, Andre, and it's not you or I. So uh, I think we're I think we're we're, we're doing something different. <laughs> too sweet, Mike. Too sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we'll take us a break and uh, we'll be right back. We're back from the break, and this is the segment where we have the fine folks of the Negative Positives Film Photo <laughs> Film Photo Podcast Facebook group uh, ask questions of our guests, and they uh, they uh, came through again for us. So, uh, uh, Andre, what do we have up first on the Facebook group? First up, one of the co-captains of SS um, Classic Camera. Well, uh, anyway, <laughs> one of the co co-hosts of the fellow Canadian Classic Camera Revival podcast, Ms. Jess Hobbs, says here, Hi, Jonathan. First off, your website bio is one of the best I have ever read. I hate referring to myself in the third person, too. You clearly travel a lot, so where is your favorite place to shoot and or film? Is there anywhere you haven't gone to yet that you'd love to go? Mm, That's a great question. Um, And I do have to echo Jess's statement there that uh, if you do nothing else, if you don't look at any of his photography, if you don't look at any of his video work, go on to Jonathan's website and read his bio slash artist statement because I was rolling over laughing reading it. <laughs> I was being sincere. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, it's funny. I just uh, I was DMing with uh, with uh, Jess because I, I just got a uh, a six seventeen camera <laughs> in the lab that I go to in Montreal. I was like, yeah, we don't know how to scan this for you, so uh, good luck. <laughs> so if anybody knows where I can go in Montreal to get uh, six seventeen scans, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of like uh, places I shot, um, it's kind of crazy. I think. Um, I got some of my favorite shots in Croatia. Um, that was that was just a mixture of everything. The, you know, the the people, the landscape, the light was amazing. Um, and you know what? A, a part of me feels like every time um, I'm in LA that I'm cheating. The light is is so good there. It just kind of like makes things. Uh, really really easy and it's just like uh when i first got to la i would just kind of drive around stop the car and just walk into 
into through this kind of random neighborhood and kind of discover like piece, like elements of, of the city that are kind of like hidden that were amazing. Um, and then um, Tokyo is also uh, like sensory overload. Like you you need to really focus and 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 see you know what you want to take a picture of because you know it's just like so many lights and and so so dramatic. Um, and then the the last place, I mean, um, anybody who's been to Cuba knows like you can't take a bad shot in Havana. It's just like mm. um, I remember shooting a, a music video there, and and just anywhere we point the camera looked like gold. It was uh, it was really cool, and obviously for stills as well, it's just like incredible. Um, you know, you want to avoid the the stereotypical. Uh, uh, pink uh cadillac from you know the 50s and stuff like that (laughs) or the the hundreds of people smoking cigars but you know it once you kind of like move past the stereotypes you can actually find some incredible images so uh, one thing i was thinking with your answer there uh jonathan is uh i've never been to la uh but i have to wonder you know as many uh, being a you know into the cinematography and all that and as many movies has been shot there uh and andre you live there but do you ever see like well, maybe this is more for andre i don't know do you ever see like these scenes i've seen this in a movie like i mean i would think that there's been so many films shot there that you would see things like that right like i don't oh, know yeah. like i mean yeah. like uh, around the corner from me that uh circus liquor store has been in several movies um it's been countless scenes you know at the griffith observatory once upon a time in LA, I accidentally walked onto the set by <laughs> unknowingly um, and got yelled at. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it, it it definitely happens, and there's definitely things out here where it's like, yep, I recognize that. Right, Jonathan, when you went there as as a film guy, did, were you like uh, interested to see some of these things you've seen in movies or, or anything? Did that occur to you, or, or what was your thought there? Well, I mean, at that point, I had kind of like been there so often that I wanted to see the other stuff. So I would literally kind of get off the highway at a random spot, park the car and just, you know, go walking and just do my own little kind of photo walk. And uh, and that's where I found all the kind of like great stuff or or interesting people, because I love taking pictures of people, too. So, you know, when you find kind of unique characters or 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 people just have, you know, a a visual richness to them, it's like amazing. And, and, you know, it's it's not all movie stars, but it's such kind of like interesting people. And it was the same thing in 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 Cuba and in, in Croatia and you know, I don't know what it is about those parts of the world, but, you know, the, the light, the people, everything seems to to give you an opportunity to create something cool. Out of out of the places that you listed that you've uh, that you've actually shot photography at, like who was the most receptive to having their photo taken? I, I'm, I'm just going to guess Japan. Yeah, it, honestly, everywhere. I, I've never oh, really. Yeah. And it's it's funny. It's like it actually when I was in high school, um, my dad, who worked at a TV station at first was a documentary filmmaker. And, you know, I was a a shy kid, um, but we kind of uh, took a trip to Cuba and uh, we were just kind of like walking around the streets and I'd see this interesting stuff. And I kind of pointed out to him, he's like, yeah, just go up and ask if you can take the picture. 
And I'm like, oh, okay. And I just kind of like went up shy and kind of like asked and they were like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, wow, that was easy. And then I just oh, like, wow. and I never stopped, you know, I just uh, um, love having the, the uh, interaction or sometimes, you know, you want to pretend you're Cartier-Bresson and kind of find the decisive moment and kind of, you know, sneak the shot. But, um, but sometimes you, you really want to create a portrait of somebody who's just kind of like visually really interesting. Very cool. Very cool. It gives me, gives me hope in humanity, but, uh, so. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, what we got next, Andre? All right. Next up. Mr. Sam Warner asks here, your Instagram is mostly color images. Does looking at the world through cinematic eyes push you to see the world mostly in color and not in black and white, or is it just personal preference? That's that's a really cool question because, um, you know, I grew up only doing black and white. And um, and when I started the the Chroma Sketch project, the, the project with all the slides, obviously at that time, um, Scala didn't exist anymore, and um, even Ektachrome didn't uh, come back yet. So all I had was Provia and Velvia, and I kind of just landed on Provia as my stock. Um, so I just really focused on that. And um, I kind of decided to start another Instagram account, which has more portraiture in it. And, and then I kind of go back between color and black and white more. Um, but I, I, I love black and white. I'd, I'd love to kind of um, find somebody who can create really nice uh, fiber-based prints because, you know, I think as I move on with my photography, I think it's more going to be about the prints than anything else. So opportunities to do Cibachromes or fiber-based prints and kind of like try to keep it as photochemical as possible. So, yeah, um, if I can do fiber-based black and white i think that'd be amazing you do fiber-based black and white don't you andre um i've i've bought some uh fiber paper specifically the ilford art 300 um uh which is like a 100 percent cotton rag like really you know textured paper that's a collaboration between ilford and hanamula but i haven't used any of it yet um it's been sitting in the box for close to two years now um i will eventually get to it but i haven't done any yet have you tried fiber uh, uh mike oh no i don't i don't i don't do any darker printing at this point the only time i've done darker printing was back in high school and then uh, i went to a buddy john gregory here in louisville who does a good darkroom podcast, a light in the dark podcast. Uh, and uh, he has an awesome darkroom. And so he invited me over, I guess it was about a year ago. And uh, we did some printing for the first time. First time I'd done darkroom printing since uh, uh, the late 80s when I was in high school. So, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't really have the room for it. Um, I have was a bathroom. Like riding a bike? What's that? Was it like riding a bike? Not quite, because in high school, I didn't really do my work, so I, I didn't really learn it like I was supposed to because I was lazy and I got kicked out of the darkroom, so I didn't really <laughs> really make a big inroads. Uh, so it was kind of like relearning. I mean, I did remember some things about it, but uh, John definitely uh, walked me through <laughs> walked me through each step, but it, it, it is it is really cool, man. it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an experience for sure. And uh, uh, John actually reached out to me recently. And asked if I wanted to bring my son over uh, 
sometime this summer while he's off from college and let him print one of his photos uh, uh, in the darkroom, giving uh, the full uh, spectrum of, you know, shooting on film to uh, actually making a print. So I think I might have to take John Gregory up on that and uh, bring Grant to uh, to his darkroom and let let Grant print one of his images. I think uh, he'd probably really find that uh, it'd be interesting to see, like, uh, you know, what a 19 year old thinks of that in, in this day and age, you know, so, yeah. Oh. Uh, I think you totally have to, you you have to videotape him as the you know print comes out of the developer just that there you go. moment and actually have it recorded to actually see what his reaction is when the the magic actually happens. Oh, that's a good a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very like cool. Watching someone uh, see uh, Shawshank for the first time. <laughs> Or like watching somebody uh, uh, in the 90s wait for that Claudia Schiffer picture to load up line by line. You know? <laughs> if you throw developer at the computer, it'll come out faster. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. All right. Uh, uh, I, I guess we got through that one, right? I think so, yeah. All right. What we got next? Uh, Penny Ferris asks on your Instagram, I see 35 millimeter, six by nine and square formats. What is your favorite and why? Um, I think it's, well, it's definitely, um, medium format. Um, I just can't get enough of it. It's for the longest time because I learned on the Roloflex, the Roloflex was my go-to camera. It's probably my desert Island camera. Um, but, um, lately it's, it's been, uh, you know, six by seven, um, just the, the, um, ratio because I'm not, I, you know, as, as, uh, as snobby as it sounds, I, I don't like to crop the images, but like six, seven gives me the ratio that I like and kind of, you know, something about wide angle lenses on it is really, really appealing too. Have you ever, uh. Uh, dabbled into like uh, you know like uh, the lowly hoga. I mean you know I mean I feel like uh, I feel like there's uh, the, uh, some of the, the the hipster hipster film kids are, are in, into things like that. Have you ever tried like lowly cameras like uh, toy cameras? They like to call them. How dare you call me a hipster? <laughs> <laughs> well, you were in film school. Come on, it doesn't get much more hipster than that. Like. Come on. <laughs> That's right. I'll take it. Um, and, and you did buy you did buy the negative positives trucker hat. You didn't go for the dad hat. You went with the trucker hat. That's that's got hipster written all over it, man. So, oh yeah. Well, listen. It's like uh, it. Uh, it's my favorite piece of swag. It's, it's definitely <laughs> better than my um. I dream of cameras uh, hoodie that. Became. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it 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 became my I dreamt of cameras hoodie because uh, because the the washing machine obviously uh, had an issue with uh, with uh, you know Annie Leibovitz being knocked <laughs> and decided to wash it. Um, but yeah, no, the 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 uh, the hats the the greatest thing ever. I mean. Uh, Buy the hat and and be a guest on 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 the podcast. Yeah, that's, that's a, a first, that, right? that's the price of admission. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> that or or buy Andre a beer when he comes to your gallery show. Uh, one of the one of the other. I think it's like that's <laughs> <laughs> done. <laughs> 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 All right, where was we at with that? We we were, we were on a t- oh Tahogas. Yeah, yeah. Any 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 uh, any any junky toy cameras? Any any special effects cameras? you you dig you know it's really embarrassing but i think um remember the craze of the baby lens 
uh, oh, the, the lens, lens baby? baby, the lens baby. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I played with that a little bit. Did not, uh, did not do much for me. I, I'm, I'm kind of afraid that it'll wake that, uh, that trauma of uh, shooting something that feels kind of amateur, like that uh, that uh, high school <laughs> film I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hear you. <laughs> Good point. I, I I remember when Lens Baby came out. I was in, that was when I was in my digital dark ages. And I bought a Lens Baby. I was like, well, this is gonna be great, man. This is gonna get me back to you know like when I used to shoot a Hoga and, and stuff like that. It's gonna it's gonna feel reminiscent of that and. Boy, I took some really bad lens baby shots. Oh my goodness! And um, I even I got hired once to uh, shoot a restaurant uh, for uh, uh, for their website. And so uh, the guy that hired me uh, wanted me to take some uh, some food pics, obviously, which is my first time doing food pics. And and uh, so I I went all in, man. I thought I got this lens baby. I just got it. I'm gonna lens baby every one of these food pics. And uh, <laughs> and. And I guess I thought it would be great, you know, select really selective focus on the food, you know. And uh, uh, I I submitted them to him. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna need you to reshoot that. I need you to like <laughs> not." <laughs> so I had to go back and and have them prepare like several other dishes again, so I could reshoot it. Uh, felt really uh, felt really amateur at that point, but uh, but hey, you know, uh, I got to do uh, photos for a website, and that restaurant went out of business like a year or two later. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> No, if, if they went agree. with the original shots, they would, you know, they'd still be around. You're right. Chain by now. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right. Actually, you're not. <laughs> those, <laughs> looking back at those, it is pretty uh, one of my more embarrassing photography moments. So, but, <laughs> but, uh, all right. Uh, what we got next? All righty. Next up from Mr. Billy Sanford, host of the Music and Photography podcast. On your website, you alluded to how composition as a cinematographer might influence the visual storytelling element of your photography. Have you found instances where stills photography has influenced your cinematography? Yeah, definitely at the beginning of uh, of my kind of like film career, um, I had a hard time moving the camera um, just because I was so focused on creating tableaus. Um, you know, especially when you're kind of like a, a student filmmaker, you hear a lot of times that, you know, they shoot handheld and that kind of thing. But for me, it was all about kind of creating tableaus and kind of every shot being a kind of like amazing shot, which is not how you make film. So that's uh, something I had to unlearn to actually uh, start telling stories visually. Mm. So like, take a take a classic rule like uh, like or like rules in, in still photography, such as like leading lines and and rule of thirds. I know that those are obviously probably used at times in in, in movie making, but it, it, I guess that's something you is it by a shot by shot basis. I mean, do you do you try to use those rules uh, when you can, or I guess sometimes you can't because of the way the scene's going or whatever. But like, are are those things you have to just throw away, or or, or are they still kind of there? I mean, that's something, yeah, I don't know. Is, is that something that you have to think about when you're shooting, uh, you know, a movie film? I, I think I think even in stills photography, I've, I never, I've kind of like know about those rules, but mm -hmm. I kind of like have trouble applying them. I just go on instinct. So okay. it's for, for, for stills and for motion, it's just kind of like, uh, it's it's really what, what instinct draws me more than anything. But when you were in hipster school, I mean film school, uh, did, did, did they did they teach those things? Those 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 principles? Uh, not as part of the film courses. There right. are 
like graphic courses that are part of it and you you do work learn about like all the elements of creating um you know either graphic design or photography and 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 think about things uh graphically but not with those specific rules applied i see okay okay good to know all right uh andre you got any thoughts or you want to move on let's keep on chugging all right got a couple more here um David Ortega asks, is there a difference between people and cameras? If so, explain. <laughs> Not sure I quite understand this one, but uh, give it your best shot. I just got a CLA and I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I can say that I, I don't have any cameras with bad knees. So uh, uh, that's uh, that's one big difference. Uh, they, they don't seem to uh, have the bad knees that I have. So, yeah, yeah. There's, there's... Well, Mike, you're, you're, you're at an age where you require a little lubrication, don't you? <laughs> moving on i just no one no one has any more we've got one last question here well, well, just, jonathan did you have any real thoughts on uh, any other thoughts on cameras versus people you get along with cameras better than people um it, it depends on the day it, it it's it's so crazy yesterday i was testing that uh, 617 and uh that is a moody mofo uh just the the way you kind of have to kind of like operate it and kind of like you know the steps that you have to take have to be in a certain way and stuff like that so um it can be very cranky like a, a person, but uh, thank goodness for the film photography community. It's like I uh, I was uh, DMing with this really great guy in Australia who kind of like walked me through the process. And it's just incredible that you can have, you know, this um, uh, relation in like teaching people or learning from people um, in this community. And it's just kind of like... Um, so so cool that it's because of these machines that we have this kind of like amazing interaction you know absolutely um, yeah i mean all these 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 podcasts are are just kind of like so cool to listen to and just like have a community of people really kind of like have this interest is is all revolving around these kind of like this this, this gear so mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. i, I kind of wish there was a uh, a community for fathers raising a 15 year old son because uh uh my 15 year old uh which actually he just turned 15 today happy birthday to gibson uh my youngest son it's just his birthday today so we went out went out to eat but uh but he uh uh he's uh, uh temperamental uh, as a 15 year old would be so if i could just get some some uh, some uh, community community for dads of 15 year olds uh, i think uh, that would probably help me out a little bit because everything is like stop it dad oh come on dad you know everything is everything is uh <laughs> it's very temperamental. Well, mike you're you're the guy to start it <laughs> what's that you're the guy to start it <laughs> Yeah. We've already yeah, well, successfully built one community here on the negative positives. <laughs> yeah, well, the, yes, I, I, I'm hoping that by the time I hit, uh, if I was to start that that community or that podcast, I would hope by the time I hit 400 episodes or so that he would be out of that phase. I think we're just got to get past this phase. So uh, <laughs> I love him. Happy birthday to Gibson. But uh, but man, teenagers, whew, yeah, it's something. But uh, <laughs> uh, all right, uh, where are we at? 
All right, last one. Mr. Larry Effler asks here, your still photography has a mostly cheerful, saturated, and high-key look, while your cinematography is darker and moodier. Could you talk about the difference between your photo and film mindsets? Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, it's it feels like um, you know you kind of uh, get to try some stuff with film that you can't um, as easily recreate in photography. So um, so that's why I kind of like in the stories that you're kind of like presented with kind of um, sometimes lead to be moodier and, and so on. So uh, so so that's why I kind of like had tended to shoot um, some brighter kind of like uh, images for for the chroma sketch project. Also, you just needed more light shooting, you know, outside and so on and so forth. But the next project that I want to do um is going to be more cinematic and 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 moodier so um i'm just playing with different film stocks right now and and seeing how i can actually bring some of that cinematic look to to the photography i do and actually the portrait stuff that i've been shooting um that's on my other instagram um possibly has some more moodier images that brings up a point that, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give Andre a little plug here. Like, what, what do you think about you know the 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 fact that now we could easily shoot, you know, cinema film in our still cameras? I mean, is cinema still something that you uh, that you love because of the look? Because you know you're used to shooting, uh, you or you have shot movie film before, and now you can shoot it in your still cameras. This is this sounds like a big cinema still plug. I'm just uh, Andre's Andre's probably. <laughs> He's probably so proud at this point, but uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm not nearly this shameless. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be shameless for you. So, uh, what do you think about like, do, do you do you like the 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 uh, shooting the, the the cinema stocks in your cameras? You're still cameras? oh yeah yeah absolutely I I love it like as soon as I saw that film come out I was I was all about it um, and uh, and that's probably probably the the 800T is is probably. The, the top film that I've been using um, in the last couple of years. It's just uh, it's just so cool to be able to to use that film and kind of like, you know, push it in different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really excited to try the 400. Very cool. Very, see, Andre, you know, uh, you owe me a beer now. So uh, but, uh. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you back the the campaign? Um, I, it's so funny. It's like when you get into production mode um, while you're working on a commercial, you don't even realize what's happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I couldn't follow through. And then before I knew it, it was just like, oh, oh, is it, is it too late? <laughs> <laughs> it'll be it'll it, you know, it'll hit the online store and other retailers and distributors uh, sometime in like late fall of this year. So. Don't have to wait for too long. There's some really cool um, motion picture stocks that don't exist anymore. That would be really cool to see if there was a way to kind of revive them. There was this uh, 320 stock um, back in the day, which was at, like had a really beautiful, soft look to it. Um, that was a, a, a vision stock that was amazing. And then I think it was the first vision 500 stock. Um, five two seven nine was also like it was so different, completely different than five two one nine, um, and that would be an amazing stock to kind of like see back either stills or or motion. 
you uh what about the uh the double x you big fan of that for uh, uh still photography it's like my favorite probably my favorite black and white film at this point i think so yeah i'm actually waiting to get my first role developed i i oh, wow. say i i mean i used it as a, a 16 mil and 35 mil uh motion picture stock but i hadn't used it until like last week uh as a, a still film so i'll get back to you on that <laughs> awesome awesome all right, Andre, now you owe me two beers, but, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Did we get through all the questions? Yes, we did. Awesome. Well, thanks so much to the negative positives film photo podcast, Facebook group for coming through some great questions there. Uh, yeah, that was uh, some very good, very good job. Uh, everybody just makes, makes our job so much easier and, uh, just glad that you guys, uh, help us out so much with that. But, uh, uh, all right. I think we'll take us uh, one last break and we're going to come back with some deep probing from Andre and I of Jonathan Ben Simon or uh, wait, hold on. Am I getting it right? Ben Simone. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. I'm only going to answer in French now, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, with my grades in French class, uh, I don't think uh, this podcast will go south real quick, I think. So uh, but, it's like this positive, this, this podcast is so popular in France. <laughs> Right. The French love it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to we'll take a break and uh, we'll come back with some uh, questions from Andre and I to uh, Jonathan. So uh, we'll be right back, folks. Final segment. This is where Andre and I pull out our our lube and our deep probes and <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and uh, really really probe uh, our guests to see yeah uh, yeah you know, just to figure out what they're made of. So uh, I'm just uh, gonna go stretch for a second, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Andre's got a couple questions for Jonathan. What do you, what do you got, Andre? So I always hate when people say that gear doesn't matter. Um, I could not disagree more uh, vehemently, but I wanted to ask you a couple of, of sort of gear related questions. I know that I think and compose and just act very differently as a photographer, depending on the gear that I'm using. And within a specific format being six by six, do you find yourself shooting differently with a camera uh, like your Roloflex, which you primarily use with a waist level finder versus the Narita 66 being an SLR that you bring up to your face and focus differently. Does that have any kind of impact on your photography? Well, the biggest impact is that none of the three Naritas actually work. So... The <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Actually, yeah, I told Andre I'm 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 thinking about making a short documentary about uh, these three uh, Norita 66 cameras that I have yeah. and uh, and figuring out how to get them to work better than they ever did. Um, <laughs> I'm just such a fan of those cameras, but they just like the the last one fell apart. It was so funny. I was shooting a portrait. And as soon as I hit the shutter, there's a sound that feels like a cartoon spring. Oh, no. <laughs> just the piece just kind of like flew out and it's just kind of like, yeah, it was a disaster. But um, yeah, I, I guess all my experience in 6.6 has been uh, with the Rollflex besides the handful of rolls with the, the Narita. But I do find that, yeah, the, the format definitely um, affects how you take a picture and, and what renders uh, a, a quote unquote good picture for it for that format. You know, a lot of times I was trying to do stuff um, with the Rollerflex um, like I would do with um, either a 35 or like with a motion picture camera and it just didn't work. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and it only took a lot of kind of, you know, uh, learning with the, the Rollerflex to actually discover, oh, okay, this with this, this is how I can accomplish what I'm going through. And it's a whole different procedure than it does with the other formats. Do you, uh, this isn't my question, but a little follow up to Andre's question. I knew he would, he would, he would influence me to, uh, to come up with something here, but uh, like uh, when you shoot, since you shoot the Rollerflex a lot and you, it's, it's, you know, square format, and in in your in in your line of work, you're you're shooting more like you know cinema type, more of a wide wider format. Do you does it? Do you ever look through the Rollerflex and be like, man, this is really cramped. Like, uh, like it's this is a pretty cramped viewfinder here. Like, I uh, I don't have uh, all that. Uh, that that's not the you know the rectangle format. Do you ever feel a little cramped by it? Well, it's kind of like the with film, you can actually shoot like. Uh, what I've been doing is is using anamorphic lenses, um, which usually give you a super wide aspect ratio, but using them um, by flipping the camera 90 degrees and creating a square. Um, and the kind of like intention with film that I kind of like translate into photography is you're like, okay, this is the type of image I want to create. So what is the tool I need to create that image? So you ne so it's like you've already thought about what you're going to be doing. So you never find yourself kind of like, oh, this is kind of like not what I expected. Right, right. Oh, so you you're actually uh, uh, make plans for a, a photo you want to take. Whereas me, I just I just hope I get blind luck, pretty much. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Andre, uh, continue. I'm sorry, I, I railroaded, but go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, well, that that was my my first question. Do you have a second one, Mike, or or should I jump into the next? No, you go ahead. Go ahead. So the other question I have is you you hinted at another. Uh, personal project that you are starting on. Can you give us any additional details of what that might look like, what the subject matter could be, or if there's any, you know, film-specific or gear-specific choices that you think that you're going to make for that? Yeah, so um, I the thing is, I definitely want to go more cinematic. And for the past year, I've been kind of uh, shooting stills, um, 
which some is kind of portraiture, but a lot is kind of like uh, um, film based. So you'll see a lot of um, scenes that look like they're from films and, and they're on my other Instagram. But that was just to kind of like learn the gear that I want to work with and the images I want to create and um, and how I want to mix this cinematic feel with the real world or just, uh, again, kind of creating juxtapositions, which is what I really like to do in, in images. Um, so that's that's the next project that uh, that hopefully I'll get going this summer. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, uh, that actually brings up. A, actually, I do have a question that 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 that, that you that just popped in my head here. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Greenstein uh, mentioned to me one time that I should check out this movie, um, and I'm going to be horrible. I cannot remember the name of it now, but it was from I think the 50s, and the movie was the whole movie is shot on still still photographs. Oh, La Jeté. Yes, yeah, yes. Movie. Yeah, it inspired. Uh, um, uh, Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, that's um, it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that, and I watched it uh, on. It's actually uh, on YouTube, and I, I spent a, an evening out here in the in the cave watching it, and I was enthralled by it. Like, have you ever thought, with your love of cinematography and still photography, like, have you ever thought about doing something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, um, it, it, it's it's great to actually have um, people like Jeff talk about these things because I remember him mentioning that and kind of like reviving that like interest in those films that you kind of learn when you're in hipster school and uh, <laughs> and uh, and and kind of like uh, seeing how like seeing how you can revisit it and kind of like inspire something so um yeah when when I remember hearing that and yeah I kind of watched it again and it's just like when you get to the end of that movie and there's that kind of like spin it's just kind of like incredible so uh -huh. I think eventually yeah I'll definitely do a project like that and I think the documentary I want to do uh on the Narita will probably have to be shot with a lot of stills as well very very cool so i mean i'm going to give you a chance to um i don't know uh not be humble uh and to like brag about yourself like what's like if, if, canadian if, mike <laughs> well you'll do, do it, it. nice you'll, you'll do it in the nicest way possible i'm sure but uh <laughs> but like what are some things that you're most proud of like i mean you've done a lot with um Obviously, with the with the uh, still photographs and and cinematography, what, what, what's name some things that that you're like? All right, you know, when I go to my grave, uh, these are things I'm gonna look back on and be like, man, all right, I, I did that. That's that's pretty cool. Like, what, what what would be some things that you could bring up? Um, you know, it's like with, with every every time you actually finish something, there's like a lot of pride there. So actually finishing mm. this Chroma Sketch project was like huge. And then, you know, um, if you're if you're making um, if you're shooting a film, you know, the the investment that you kind of like put into it and you actually see the final result, um, you kind of have a moment of kind of like, wow. Um, but. It, it's so funny because especially when you make a film and um, a little bit when you take pictures, I find like when you're about to shoot it and you're developing the idea, you're like, wow, I am a genius. I am going to reinvent <laughs> a wheel here. This is going to be like the the next Citizen Kane. And then uh, you get into production 
and all you hope for is to create something that makes sense that people will understand. <laughs> <laughs> and then you work so hard at uh, finishing it and you just don't want to see that thing anymore. And you just need time to kind of like look back and go, oh, OK, that wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's funny. It's like that that question kind of like always changes depending on how much uh, perspective you have with the project that you've done, you know, a few years ago, or a few months ago. <laughs> sure. Sure. I've, I've heard stories of like actors and stuff that like they they don't even want to go to like the, the, the first major screening of the movie because they're just not they haven't had enough time away from it yet or something like they like it's it's almost like they they just can't deal with it at that point you know <laughs> like yeah uh, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah wow it's it's kind of it's like it's 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 so crazy especially when you're um in hipster school and uh <laughs> and you kind of like have all these influences you know um and you kind of like want to use all of them in a a, a 3 minute film <laughs> you're right like, Wow, that just that's not gonna make sense. But uh, yeah, you kind of need to to kind of like mature and kind of like go. Okay, all I need is this part of this influence for this project. <laughs> Speaking of influences, like I know when I uh, every time that I am, uh, uh, I, I don't know if it's it's been this way in my photography as much because I I just kind of with photography I always just kind of approach it like. Uh, I'm gonna go out and shoot and what I get is what I get. I, I don't know that I ever really had much vision for like my or a plan every time I go out and shoot. It's just mostly just to enjoy the process of it or whatever. But like with my music, I often go into uh when I start a new music project or whatever, I go in with this idea of um I would like to take some of my influences and really try to pay tribute to that or, or just let them fly, man. Like not try to like hide the fact that this particular band or this type of music influenced me. And I always go into that with that thought. And then when the album's done, I'm like, wow, I didn't I didn't even come anywhere close to that. Like <laughs> like I, I really like I, I had a vision for this. And at, at the end of the day, I don't know if I even came even anywhere close to it, uh, but I guess the I let it happen uh, naturally. But uh, and, and sometimes trying to force uh, an influence on something that you're trying to do, create it, create creatively, creatively, I'm sorry, uh, is uh, sometimes not the best way to do it. But have you ever like, you know, I mean, I'm sure you have uh, film influences, cinema influences. And you ever go into a project thing like, oh, this is uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going for this vibe. And have you ever nailed it or is it always kind of what, what I experienced is like, wow, I didn't come anywhere close to what I thought I was aiming for. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. It's like usually in the the first kind of like um, few days of, of production, the project tells you what it's going to be. Mm. And you might have all these influences, but at one point it's like, yeah, that doesn't matter. This is what it is. And you have to embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, uh, is there anything that like, um, anything, is there anything out there of your work that you would want, like, uh, like, uh, that, that you would be like, uh, you would <laughs> like some hipster kid in film school right now. Is there anything that you would, uh, you would feel comfortable be like, yeah, you need to check out my work here. You know, let's say you, you're a hipster, you're a hipster film school kid. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see, see, see what I'm doing here. Like anything like that you're super proud of, like that you even think the hipsters wouldn't turn their, turn their noses up at. <laughs> um, 
it's like at that point it's just like if you're if you're one of those true like uh film nerds you'll just watch anything and like right. pull some out of any anything it's just like you know you'll watch this kind of like polish experimental film from 1973 and you'll be like oh my god i have the greatest idea for a story when all you've been looking at is shapes for <laughs> the last little while so it's kind of like yeah it's it's funny how you know you'll draw inspiration from from that or you know a bugs bunny cartoon to create a, a drama <laughs> <laughs> nice i love it all right well i think that's uh pretty much my, the questions i was able to come up with but uh on you got anything else no i think we i think uh we end on a on a high note awesome awesome well jonathan it has been a a pleasure and a real blast having you on man i appreciate yeah, you uh, spending some time with us man it's been awesome yeah it was fantastic awesome and let well, me know the next time that you are in la one thousand percent and uh make sure actually uh since uh, andre and i don't live in the same town and Andre now owes me two beers. He has to buy you those beers. So uh, I will I'll, gladly all get together in the same town and just drink <laughs> multiple beers. There we go. There we go. All right. So uh, Jonathan, how about you tell the fine folks uh, where to check out all your all your work? Uh, so there's my website, JonathanBenSimon.com, um, or there's uh, the Instagram. There's the uh, jonathan.bensimon handle and then there is uh the other one that has a bit more of that cinematic work which is uh joe just j-o benz b-e-n-z photo um and that's uh the stuff that i've been kind of working on recently awesome any other projects or anything you want to uh um uh, promote or plug well, I mean, uh, there's that documentary I was telling you about uh, about the uh, King of Jingles who wants to write a pop hit. So, uh, so hopefully, uh, coming soon. Awesome. <laughs> well, definitely let us know about that, and we'll we'll try to plug it as best we can. So, yeah, very cool. Uh, all right, uh, Andre, uh, where can people check you out, brother? Is this the first time that we've been on the? podcast since i started posting again no i think you you triumphantly very confidently i think the last time we were together uh, uh was very happy about this portion of the show uh, unlike previous episodes so yeah gotcha. <laughs> well uh my memory is not great but uh yes you can finally check me out on instagram at andre on film that's the main account for the artsy fartsy stuff uh less artsy fartsy uh just little kind of documenting life stuff is at andre.snapshots Awesome. You can check me out on Instagram at guttermanphoto. You can email this program, negpositives at gmail.com. That is not negative positives at gmail. It is neg, N-E-G, positives at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook group, Negative Positives, Film Photo Podcast Facebook group. Uh, we have an Instagram account under the account name Negative Positives. If you submit photos to Instagram, think about using the hashtag Negative Positives, and maybe I will see it and highlight it for everybody to check out. I've been been off and on sometimes i'll, I'll hit a, a couple of, the, of people to highlight in a, in a couple of days and then uh, and it goes a week before i remember to do it again but i'm trying to uh, to stay on top of that and and highlight some of the fine folks of this community but uh, uh you know I'm, I'm not the best at social media so give me, give me a break uh, uh, bear with me i'm trying i'm trying so uh you can also support this program on coffee it is ko-fi.com slash uh slash negative positives and uh, you can get my music on bandcamp by gutterman.bandcamp.com 
And last thing is, we have a merch site, but I'm getting ready to take that down. But uh, so if you want one of those hats, I've got more hats to get. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be up for another couple of weeks, I think, because I I still got to get some swag for myself. So uh, uh, but definitely uh, uh, Jonathan was rocking uh, the negative positives trucker hat in a a, uh, Instagram stories, I believe it was. And I was like, oh, man, that hat looks uh Hat looks pretty tight. I might, I might have to. That hat is fire, as the kids would say today. And uh, <laughs> that sounds so <laughs> wrong coming out of you. <laughs> the hat is sick, and uh, so uh, I need to get one of those at least. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yep. if you want one, <laughs> if you want one of those hats. You better, better, better move soon. I gotta. I do have to take that site down soon because I'm having supply issue problems. People order stuff and they don't have it, and it's just become a nightmare. And and let's be honest, I never really made any money off of it anyway. I lost money most of the time. So, uh, but yeah, you got a, a limited window to get you some negative positive swag. That is negative positive podcast.bigcartel.com. All right, folks. Uh, huge thanks again to Jonathan Ben Simon. Uh, real blast having him on tonight. And uh, uh, we'll look forward to seeing what uh, cool stuff he does in the future. Everybody have a great two weeks. We'll be back uh, with a, 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 a kind of a host show and a listener interaction show in two weeks. Until then, everybody stay positive. Et prenez des photos argentiques cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, that's great. That's, I don't think it, that's that's a first. That's a first. Good job, Jonathan. <laughs> I, I swear it's what you told me to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I wouldn't know. You could you could have just told me and uh, you could have just said me and Andre are a bunch of buffoons and we wouldn't wouldn't know any difference. <laughs> You'll have to get in touch with your French teacher and just uh, confirm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, all right. Everyone, take care. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Gutter Man Cave Production! <laughs>